Take your Bible, turn with me, if you will, to uh, Ephesians 5.18. We uh, started this morning looking at really those verses that God brought to life in my heart. It was a desperate time of, of wanting greater reality in my daily relationship with Jesus. And I don't know how these verses came together. It just happened one day. We looked at the first one this morning, John 15, 4, where Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. The second one is Ephesians 5, 18. Paul said, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The third one is Colossians 3.16, where it says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And the fourth one is Romans 12.1. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. One of the things that I've discovered in my own life is that, that those things don't happen in my life unless they are conscious commitments that I make. I found out I can't live off of yesterday for today. The Bible says that, that the, the mercies of the Lord are new each morning, right? And I found that my commitment to the Lord needs to be new each day. And so I pray those four verses every day of my life. And I found out that they are simultaneous. <laughs> I cannot be abiding in Christ and not be filled with the Spirit. I cannot let the Word of Christ dwell richly within me and not be a one presenting my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. I mean, they, if one happening, the other three are happening in my life. And when those four things are consciously happening in my life, it changes the way that I live. I'll just be honest with you. I'm afraid. I'm not for them to be real in my life. In recent years, in recent days, we've had some high-profile people among us as Southern Baptists who served for years faithfully and fell at the end. I'll never forget sitting in a hotel room in China with Dr. Gray Allison, a man that I respect more than any man I've ever known in my life, greatest man of faith, integrity, commitment to Jesus. And we were sitting there. He was 72 at the time. And we were just talking. He was sitting on the edge of one bed. I was sitting on the other. And he looked at me and he said, I just don't want to blow it at the end. 
And I thought, man, if you're worried about that, how much more do I need to be worried about that? And so these aren't routine verses to me. They, they are life verses. Not just that I adopt, but they are verses that bring life to me. So what I want to do tonight, I want us to look at, at uh, the, the last three of those verses. We looked at John 15, 4 this morning. We're going to look at, at, at Ephesians 5, 18, Colossians 3, 16, and, and Romans 12, 1. Let's start with, with uh, uh, Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Spirit. Now, you know that when you were saved, that God the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of you. In fact, Paul said in Romans 8 9 that if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ in him, he is none of his. You cannot know Jesus and not have God the Holy Spirit taking up residence within your life. He comes in, he regenerates us, he makes us spiritually alive, and he comes to live inside of us. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, Paul said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Now, when I was growing up, when Mom would take us to church, and we would pull on the church parking lot, she would admonish us that we would be on our best behavior. Because somehow, you know, we just equated coming into the church as coming in to the presence of God, and you just had to act differently in the presence of God. Uh, Can I tell you that God doesn't dwell in this building He dwells inside of you. He goes everywhere that you go. He knows every word you speak, every thought you think, everything that you do. The very presence of God in you. And Paul said, that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but as the Holy Spirit indwells you, you need to be filled with the Spirit. That word field means to allow the Holy Spirit to permeate every area of your life, to control, to empower, to enable. You and I face things that we can't do by ourselves every day. We're in a battle, a real spiritual battle, and we have to have spiritual resources to stand against the wiles of the devil and his fiery darts. And you and I have the Holy Spirit living in us, and now Paul says, let him fill you and and permeate every area of your life. Now, let let me just take the grammar of, of, of Ephesians 5, 18, because it says everything that we need to know about this verse. First of all, when Paul said, be filled with the Spirit, it is written as an imperative command. It is not a good suggestion that God gives us. It is not an option that God offers us. It is a command that God gives to us that we are filled with the Spirit. 
Now, when it comes to a command of God, there's only one of two options, obedience or disobedience. That means the important question tonight is are you consciously, deliberately, committedly filled with the Spirit? The most important question tomorrow is going to be, are you consciously, deliberately, committedly filled with the Spirit? The most important question next Friday is going to be, are you consciously, deliberately, committedly filled with the Spirit? Are you obeying the command of Jesus? I, now, I don't know about you, uh, the struggle I have of being filled with the Spirit is I have to empty self. Because you can't be empty of self, I mean full of self and full of the Spirit at the same time. And so I have to decide, am I going to live with the way that I want to or am I going to be committed to Him as Lord, walk in obedience to Him? He commands me to be filled with the Spirit. Secondly, it is a present tense verb which talks about continual action. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Day by day, day by day. I don't know about you, I have to do that because I leak along the way. And then it is a plural. That means that it is God's command continual command to every Christian. It's not something that's saved for just a select few. It is God's plan for every believer because it says all of you keep on being filled with the Spirit. And finally, it's passive in voice. And, and, and that's important in the original language because the passive is that you are being acted upon. So it literally says, all of you keep on letting the Holy Spirit fill you. It's not a matter of you getting more of the Holy Spirit. Everything that he is, he is when he came to indwell you. It is a matter of the Holy Spirit getting more of of you and me. The disciples had failed miserably at the crucifixion of Jesus. All of them ran away, Peter denied him. Fifty days later, Jesus is going to ascend back to heaven. And he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, both in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He's saying, guys, I've got something so big for you to do, you can't do it by yourself. You're going to have to be empowered from on high. And you notice what the disciples said? 
They didn't say, ah, Lord, don't worry about it. Go on back to heaven. We'll take care of everything. Jesus ascended and they go into that place of prayer for 50 days until the Holy Spirit comes and then they turn the world upside down. I want you to know that same power lives inside of us for living and for witnessing and making a difference in our world. And so, you and I must be filled with the Spirit. Third verse is Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you. That word dwell literally means let the Word of God be at home in your heart. Now, what does that look like? The best description I know is Psalms 1. Where David says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. His thinking and his living isn't determined by the unbelieving world that is in rebellion against God. His thinking isn't determined by primetime TV. His thinking isn't determined by those who laugh at God and dismiss him out of hand. But in contrast, the blessed, the man who is filled with the joy of the Lord, not conform, not shaped by the world, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. I used to talk about meditation like the cow chewing the cud, but I've come to think it's something much deeper than that. It is thinking deeply and continually about God's Word through the day. I get up in the morning, I open up the Scriptures, I read. I say, Lord, speak to my heart. And He speaks. And He wants me to carry that. Think through, how does that apply in every situation that I'm in? And what happens when I, I, I let the Word of God be at home in my heart? Well, the Bible says there are several things that it does. It, 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 is, it is going to renew your mind. Romans 12.1, I mean 12.2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be being transformed becoming more like Jesus by the renewing of your mind. And that idea of renewing your mind is learning to think the thoughts of God after him as they are revealed in his word. When you have the, the, the word at home in your heart, it, it will guard your heart from sin. All of you know Psalm 119, 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
You know what I found? That sin will keep you away from the Bible or the Bible will keep you away from sin. It is our protection as we walk through daily life. It will give guidance to your step. Psalm 119, verse 3, another verse you know, you know, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me your way through the, 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 the harshness of daily life. And then it gives you wisdom from above for living here below. Two great psalms on the Word of God. Psalm 119, all of it is about the Word of God. And then Psalm 19, and it talks about the prophet of the Word of God in changing our lives, starting in verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And because of that, David said, more to be desired are they than gold, than much fine gold. It means the most precious thing in all of the world you find right here. God speaking to his people. And then he said, and sweeter than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them is great reward. You and I need the Word of God. Paul in Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, having our loins girded with truth and our feet shod with the gospel of peace. And then he says, above all, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's how we live in a hostile world to the glory of God of God, overcoming the lies and the temptations of the evil one, saying yes to Jesus instead of yes to him who seeks to destroy our soul. The Word of God. I, I need it. Not just in my mind. I need it living inside of my heart. The fourth verse. If I'm abiding in Christ, Lord Jesus, today I just want to walk so aware of your presence. I want to enjoy your fellowship. I want your life to flow through me. 
I want to be fruitful today to your glory. And precious Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill, to control, to empower me because nothing's out in front of me today I can't handle by myself. And Lord, your word, I ask you to stir it up in my heart throughout the day. There'll be situations I come into and just make it the immediate defense of my life. There'll be opportunities I have to touch somebody's life with the gospel, make it flow from my mouth, make it live inside of me. And then, Lord, I want to lay my life down before you. I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, seeing everything that God has done in saving you, the only appropriate way that you can respond to so great a salvation is to present your body. That word present means to lay before. It has the idea of dedication. You remember when Hannah prayed for a son and God gave that son to her, Samuel, and she said, I'll dedicate him to the Lord for all of his life. He'll be yours. That's the same idea that is in that word present. Lord, I'm laying my life down. I'm saying it's your life. <laughs> Present your body. That word body is a comprehensive term. When I say body, it's just everything that I am and everything that I do all the time. When I lay my body, body, present my body to the Lord, you know what I'm doing? I'm presenting my marriage to the Lord. I'm presenting my children to the Lord, my grandchildren to the Lord. I'm presenting what I do tomorrow when I teach young guys preaching. I commit that. To, I, I mean, everything that I am, I'm presenting, I'm dedicating it to him. And I'm to do it as a living sacrifice, which, which, which means that I relinquish control of my life to Jesus. When you give a sacrifice, what happens? It's no longer yours, right? It belongs to him. But ours is a living sacrifice in contrast to the dead sacrifices of the Old Testament. He doesn't want us to bring burnt offerings. He wants us to bring living offerings, our lives. Now, I don't know about you. The problem with this living sacrifice is it crawls off the altar. <laughs> and so I need to keep on doing it. He said, I present my body as a living sacrifice, relinquishing control. And then he qualifies how that is to be done. He says, it is to be holy. 
You know what that word holy means? My my Bible uh, has on the back of its spine, holy Bible. Does that mean that this Bible was made from the skin of some sacred cows? Or the pages come from some sacred grove? No. It just means that this is God's book that has been set apart for his use. And when he says that we are to present ourselves holy, it means that our lives are consciously set apart to God's exclusive use and purpose and glory. It is intentionally living to glorify God in daily life. And then he said it's to be well-pleasing. Our, 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 it is to be acceptable, which means well-pleasing to God. I don't know about you, but the great desire of my heart when I stand before Jesus is to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Nothing else will matter when you stand before him. And if you're going to hear that, you're going to have to live that way right now. I want to please him, glorify him. And then he said this is our spiritual worship, which means to honor, exalt, praise, and magnify the greatness of God and show the worth of Jesus by how you live. I came in here about 520. Nobody else was here. The band was just practicing. And all those songs that they sang, they were singing. And I sat here by myself and, and, and just the, the overwhelming wonder of the greatness of God <laughs> just, just, just sweeps over you, doesn't it? It really does. And I want to magnify him. And, but, but Paul said, I, I do that not just by singing songs of praise, but living to his praise as a living sacrifice. Now, I didn't give you these four verses to be a magic formula for you. You just need to get alone with God and let him burn some things into your life. This is just what God did in my life. He did it when I got tired of the roller coaster. I got fed up with the ruts in life. I got sick of when things went wrong the bottom falling out in my life and just asking God how do I walk it how do I walk it every day how do I walk it in the bad times as well as the good times the hard times as well as the easy times how do I walk it when my son's rebellious 
How do I walk it when somebody says something ugly to me? How do I walk it when Satan ambushes me? How do I live it? In the nitty-gritty of daily life. And all I know is that God just brought these four things into my life. Came, all four of them came at the same time. I, I, I don't know how to, say, to tell you. It just happened. I mean, I was sitting there praying, and, 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 and I just prayed those four verses. And, and I went, well, that's what I need. That's what I need every day. And you need to find that in your life. Whatever it is that God wants to do, I want to know it'll be along the same lines because those are basic spiritual truths for living, right? And I just urge you with all of my heart, when the ruts come, don't be, satisf don't be satisfied. Seek him with all of your heart. Because he says in the book of Isaiah, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. <laughs> Amen.